everyone. Happy Friday. Uh, it's cold over here. We're very exciting conversation today with Ari. Ari, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Yeah, no, Olga, thank you so much for having me. I'm Ari Redboard. I am head of legal and government affairs uh, at TRM Labs, uh, the blockchain intelligence company. Um, Olga, really, thank you so much. Uh, it's just such a pleasure to be on with you today. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, you have such a fascinating background, and uh, we, we've recently had a conversation, have, have been living parallel lives, working for slightly different people, but then ending up in the same more or less place over time. So I uh, really want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, and specifically, um, I guess you started as a prosecutor. Um, I want to hear all about it and uh, your path to where you are today. Yeah, no, no, fantastic. You know, I, I relatively recently left the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, for the District of Columbia, and I, I had this unique, uh, I think, uh, understanding that I was probably leaving the coolest law job um, that I ever will have. I will say that I think I may have found a cooler one, but uh, we'll sort of get to that in a moment. Um, you know, I, I started at the U.S. Attorney's Office really about, about 14 years ago. I was, uh, I think one sort of thing that's really interesting baseline is that, so the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia is the only um, U.S. Attorney's Office in the country that is also the local prosecutor for its jurisdiction. So there's no state's attorney, there's no district attorney for D.C. Uh, we, we were the local prosecutor. So, you know, drug crimes, gun crimes, uh, you know, homicide, you know, sex offense, that, that's, those cases are prosecuted out of the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, which which makes it the biggest U.S. attorney's office in the country because you're essentially combining the D.A. function with that federal prosecutor function. So, you know, I started out, uh, you know, 14 years ago prosecuting domestic violence uh, misdemeanor cases uh, in our superior court and really, really just fell in love with those cases. I, I never realized how impactful they would be, I think, to my career and my life. Um, and then kind of steadily worked uh, my way through sort of more and more serious crimes, but always staying with that sort of, um, you know, from domestic violence misdemeanors to uh, to domestic violence felonies up through uh, child abuse and so on. And really, um, really felt a, a true impact for, for, for getting to do that work. Um, and then I, you know, I, I kept going from there at the U.S. Attorney's Office and did a number of other things. 14 years at the uh, U.S. Attorney Office. That's uh, a long time. It sounds like your job has changed a few times. We'd love to kind of understand one, you know, um, being somewhere for 14 years, how do you get up in the morning and still want to be there? What keeps you up there? Um, and, um, you know, 14 years, a few things have changed. We'd love to kind of understand that progression. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you know, sort of like, like I mentioned, I started out sort of really focused on sex offense, child exploitation, human trafficking. Um, but, you know, and I spent about half my time at the U.S. Attorney's Office doing that work. Um, and I, uh, but then sort of like you said, you, you're, you're changing, you're keeping it fresh. And the beauty of being a prosecutor or really any any litigator is that you're just motivated uh, and driven by your cases. And those cases are constantly changing and evolving. I found myself spending about seven years in the national security section of the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. So I was prosecuting uh, terrorism cases, espionage, uh, you know, threat finance, so terrorist financing, money laundering, um, as well as sort of violent, violent crime cases uh, involving uh, terrorist acts. So, you know, that's, it's, that's it's a lot of variety. It's a lot of variety. And I think to your question, it's really that constant change, um, which is just really keeps you motivated and excited. I will say there's another aspect to this that I think you'll, you'll really appreciate, Olga. And that is getting to work with great teams. 
um, you know, as a prosecutor at the U.S. Attorney's Office, you are on a mission. Um, and there's so many people with you on that mission, you know, extraordinary prosecutors, but also agents. You know, I had had, had such a great experiences working with, you know, HSI agents, FBI, IRSCI, and just a handful of others um, that really just you feel like you're in lockstep with like minded people, you know, really working on a mission to keep America safe. And um, that eventually started a, a real focus on me working to keep the financial system safe. And that's sort of part of my uh, my journey to TRM. Yeah, what, what, what I find is that people who stay on a job more than five years, it's usually two things. And I think you sort of very much highlighted it. One is their job is not the same when they started. They effectively change their jobs two or three times, but, but you know, every two or three years. But, uh, you know, their paycheck just happens to come from the same place. Um, they almost never do the same job for 14, 20 years. I think that that's one. And two, the team and, 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 and people you work for and with, and, the, and, and I guess three, the mission. So it sounds like that was happening for you quite a lot um, and, and kept you there. What happened, what happened after, after, the, after, after U.S. Attorney Office? You know, it was so cool. I really became passionate at the U.S. Attorney's Office. I was part of a team that sort of stood up a threat finance unit within the within the office. And I think one of our real focuses was following the money. And I think what I learned is that even all the different kinds of cases that I'm describing, child exploitation, human trafficking, um, you know, terrorist financing, um, everything from, uh, you know, export control, espionage, really these cases are financial cases, right? It's these days following the money is what you do in any investigation. And I really became passionate about that so much so that I ended up leaving the U.S. Attorney's Office and going over to the Treasury Department, uh, where I was a senior advisor to the Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence. And, um, you know, as you know, that's the role that oversees OFAC and FinCEN and really the entire national security apparatus uh, within Treasury. And that was sort of a very logical step uh, from prosecuting cases involving threat finance to really go working with the policy uh, makers in that space as well. And um, so I think Treasury really allowed me to get maybe a little bit of a higher level perspective. I wasn't able to just sort of tunnel vision, laser focus on my cases. I was able to sort of say, all right, how, how did the work I was doing at the U.S. Attorney's Office help shape, you know, the policy uh, perspective that, that we're thinking about? Yeah, we have a few people joining. Hi, Colin. Good to have you here as well. Thank you for saying hi. Um, let's talk about Treasury. That's that's the one place that is very important, but most it's not on most people's radar. It's it's very misunderstood. Let's talk about uh, um, various agencies that it oversees and the impact it may have on our financial system. No, that's a great question, because I think when people think of uh, Treasury, or at least they, when they used to think of Treasury, they used to think of monetary policy. And that's obviously a huge part of the work that, that the department has been doing, particularly sort of in the COVID CARES Act space right now, thinking about, all right, how do we get the economy running? What domestic finance issues? But, but what I really focused on was anti-money laundering and terrorist financing. How do we stop the bad guys from getting the money to do bad things? And, um, you know, Treasury actually has some of the most important, you know, tools in our in our anti-money laundering arsenal, for example, um, you know, I was in, in uh, working for the undersecretary who oversaw OFAC, and that is that is really the sanctions arm of the U.S. government. So, anytime you would see an action taken anywhere in the world, the maximum pressure campaign on Iran, what was going on in North Korea, Venezuela, that was run out of the Department of Treasury, um, OFAC, 
And uh, similarly, FinCEN is the financial regulator when it comes to anti-money laundering in the United States. It's That's our FIU. And um, so all the terrific advisories that um, you've seen come out, uh, for me, in these days, there's a real focus on cryptocurrency and FinCEN's really leading the charge uh, as the regulator in that space as well, again, on the anti-money laundering side. Yeah, I, I've become very familiar with Treasury when I my previous jobs, when I was uh, on the uh, intersection of smart contracts and security, and I uh, was very knee-deep in that and, and, and discovered this whole world of Treasury and, and its power and its ability uh, to have impact on technology and, and was deeply fascinated by it, which is one of many reasons why I found your background fascinating. But you got me into this um, very exciting topic of blockchain. So let's talk about it because I, I love cutting edge technology. Um, if you want to get a very hyper Olga, talk to me about the technology. I'll start jumping and, and waving my hand. So you're getting that. So let's talk about TRM Labs. What yeah. is it? And well, you know, t- tell me how you got there. No, absolutely. Thank you. And um, yeah, no, if you want to get a very excited Ari Redboard, it's it's the same these days. And, you know, quite honestly, like, you know, look, when I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I was focused on prosecuting cases. Some of those involved cryptocurrency, um, because honestly, like it's as crypto expands, we're going to see more and more illicit actors trying to use it to obfuscate law enforcement to uh, to avoid sanctions, et cetera. And when I got to Treasury, uh, we really started to focus on it. As you can see from, you know, FinCEN's recent sort of real, real thought leadership in how to regulate crypto, um, you know, that was obviously something I was living through at Treasury. So I said to myself, all right, so what's next? What's the next adventure? And I started to look around, um, you know, in, in the fintech world and blockchain. And I said to myself, you know something, I could actually go to a place like TRM that continues this mission of protecting the financial system from illicit actors. And um, and that it's just been so incredibly exciting for me. What we, what we really are is sort of the next generation uh, blockchain intelligence company. We are trying to sort of understand, um, you know, how to help businesses and government investigators uh, keep illicit actors off of their platforms and really away from the, the crypto ecosystem. And it's been an amazing, uh, amazing journey. You know, I mentioned earlier, like, I never thought I'd have more fun than I did, you know, 15 years ago as a uh, uh, domestic violence misdemeanor prosecutor in court every day, you know, uh, helping, you know, folks that really needed it. And I think I may have found something even more exciting, um, which is which is a startup that's on a mission. And um, it's been a really, really fun, um, but admittedly short, you know, uh, about five months into this role. uh, journey and um yeah just just like you said you want to get an excited ari redboard this is uh this is a topic yeah i I actually look i mean i i had a very brief stint as a prosecutor not nearly as high profile as yours i i but i did have a pleasure uh, of being a deputized da uh, in san francisco under camilla actually uh, in her office for about nine months and uh that was a fantastic experience and you know, very. You know, if you go to law school to to be, you know, in the courtroom, being uh, a prosecutor it definitely will will is the way to get to that. And there's something really exciting to do arraignments every day and trials twice a week and showing up and talking to people and 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 telling. Olga, it's, it's, Olga, I would just, it's really. I mean, I think you make a fabulous point, and obviously, I'm very biased here. I think, but. Uh, you know, when you are a prosecutor, it's like it's one of two things. Either you come in with sort of this the the personality and the 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 sort of capability to make your arguments and to be in front of juries, or you learn it there. 
And I, you just absolutely nailed it because what you did is so similar to what I did. And that is you learn skills in the courtroom, no matter how long you're there, especially, you know, when you're in a DA's office, a local prosecutor's office. I mean, there's nothing like it. I call it boot camp for trial lawyers. And honestly, like people ask me all the time, you know, hey, should I do pro bono work? Should I, you know, go work for a, 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 a public defender? And I say absolutely yes every time. You know, look, it's an opportunity to get in the courtroom. And quite frankly, I'm going to hazard a guess here that like you use skills that you developed um, you know, during your time in the DA's office all the time, even doing what you're doing right now. Right. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not accusing you of cross-examining me. Uh, that's okay. But, I mean, but I'm that's definitely okay. saying that like, these are skills that you develop and they're important skills. Let, let's just say I've had many witnesses on my stand that I have not met before they got on the stand. I had no <laughs> idea what's come out of their mouth. That's, that's about the same. <laughs> that is exactly right. I, I say to people all the time, it is the, one of the worst advi advice that you ever hear from lawyers is like, you have to always be prepared for, you know, whatever is going to happen to a witness on the stand. And I, I have almost never prepared for what's going to happen with a witness on the stand. The key is to make sure you're able to adapt to what happens when he's, when they're up there. Um, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's something I think that comes with some experience. Absolutely. I'm with you. I, you know, look, I, I went to law school to be a, a transactional lawyer. So I, somehow I navigated myself into the DA <laughs> and uh, that was an unexpected turn of event. But I, I, you know, I, you know, I, you know, you are who you are today because of the experiences you've had. And certainly for me, that was an important, uh, iconic experience. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, not enjoyed it enough to continue on this path, but certainly enough to learn skills and go forward. But I do want to talk about you know, look, I, I went, I didn't think I would be in-house and I ended up being in-house and my adventures in startup have been gradual. I started with a big company, Fortune 500, and then I ran away with a startup circus and my companies over time are increasingly smaller and smaller and earlier stage. Um, and so I had time to sort of acclimate. You just jumped into the cold water from government to super early stage startup, not just super early stage startup, but startup and blockchain and crypto. Uh, so uh, that requires guts. Tell me how you got there. <laughs> well, I appreciate the guts thing. I, I hope so. Um, but, you know, quite honestly, like it takes less guts when you like really, really believe in something. And um, I think what TRM's, TRM is doing to sort of build this tool to really help businesses protect their the financial system is just extraordinary. But yes, no, it's absolutely crazy to go from the Department of Justice and the Treasury Department to to a startup. Um, but, you know, quite honestly, I think what you start to learn very quickly when you are in the government, or I'm sure this is true of, of larger companies as well, is you're working with small teams. And, you know, what we would do as prosecutors, right, is we would go around and really literally try to find the people we most wanted to work with. Um, you know, people ask all the time, well, like, why is a why are you working with the Minneapolis field office of the FBI? Or why are you working with the uh, Colorado Springs office of HSI while you're in D.C.? And honestly, it's because those were agents that we built really close relationships with and they, they became part of our team. And I think that that is true. That sort of made the transition much easier because really at TRM, what I what I found is an unbelievable team of all stars. Uh, it's a small team um, that's growing, but a team nonetheless that we work really, really closely together on a mission. So like when I think about the things I really, really loved about the government and frankly, we'll just will just be so grateful for forever is that like I was able to be part of great teams that were mission driven to do the right thing all the time. And it's so cool to be able to sort of transition that to a startup 
where I get to kind of keep the same mission with literally a team of people that I have fallen in love with, um, which is just the coolest thing. Yeah, um, I, I am with you. I'm all about mission, uh, which is the reason why I am where I am today. So uh, let's talk about kind of how you imagine this world of, of being at an early stage startup. And then what is sort of the biggest surprise uh, in your day-to-day -day reality of, of being, I'm guessing the only lawyer at yeah. a blockchain. <laughs> Did I guess that right? Good. Um, yeah, well, I think that's a great, that's a great jumping off point because, you know, yes. So, so I'm the only lawyer and my title is head of legal and government affairs. But quite frankly, like when you're at a startup um, and you're building a business and working with a team, um, you know, we, we call it sort of one man armies. It's like you're out doing whatever it takes all the time to sort of move the needle. And um, so, you know, I've really sort of had so many hats. Now, I, th I think your, your question is a great one, sort of like what's the expectation versus sort of what do you find when you get there? Um, you know, it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so hard to say. It's like you, you only you can only sort of envision what you know. And really what I had known was, you know, a, a short career in private practice and then sort of a long stint in government. Um, but I think what I've learned and honestly what I have loved is this idea that, you know, um, you can be an entrepreneur. But it, what that really sort of means is that you are just doing whatever it takes, you know, all the time to keep the team moving, to work closely with people, um, to do whatever the company needs. And um, I have I have absolutely loved that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I hear all the time, for, quite frankly, and I'm sure it sort of goes to your question that it's a hard transition, typically, uh, a lot of times from government into the private sector, potentially, particularly if you're not talking about a law firm or sort of a big bank or, or another sort of larger company. Um, and yeah, it definitely could be. It's, it's different. There's no question. Um, but I have found it, you know, look, Olga, maybe sort of I had this entrepreneurial itch I needed to scratch for a long time and I have just sort of loved it. But, uh, you know, it, the transition hasn't been hard, but it has been it, it's been it's been invigorating, challenging, sleepless, but invigorating. Yeah, I mean, transitions don't have to be hard. Um, you um, if you expect that you're learning and with learning will come impact and it is a lifestyle choice uh, and the one that I made a while ago, um, I, I'm pretty comfortable with being uncomfortable. So. That just, just, that's just a way of life. You don't have to accept status quo as a way of life. You can accept as learning and impact as a way of life. It's just a conscious choice and expectation. And, um, if, and that's your reality. You sort of, um, you show up with that every day. So it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. I think it's a lot of it is a, is mindset. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like maybe I'm picking up Olgaisms at this point, but, um, when, when we were talking, uh, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, you mentioned sort of the, the future is for builders. And I that that line has really resonated with me um, because it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what your background is. You know, like, you know, I've done things in, in public sector. Um, I'm now sort of at, at TRM. Um, but really, I think it's what you do, uh, not what you've done. And um, it's I love I loved that. And I think I've loved being a part of that at a really terrific company. Yeah, I, the same for me. I, the reason I like early stage startups, I, you know, I have been in, in early stage startup or advise them or in any way help is that 
you know, I truly believe that when you build, you make fundamental structural choices that determine the future outcome. And so I, I, I've been saying this for, for, for decades now, the future belongs to builders. You don't like reality today, get on the ground floor and start building because then it, you make a lot of choices as you build that will determine the future. And it's a very powerful, powerful place to be. It's so powerful. And it's a powerful line, and I'm going to steal it. Uh, you can trademark it. I'll give you credit, but I think you don't have to steal it. You have a license. You just nailed it with that. Like it's fun to find things that you can really that really just you you get it. You can you explain so much in, in a couple words. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. Um, I actually want to talk a little bit about technology of uh, uh, blockchain and crypto and kind of. What yeah. excites you about it? It is, but you know, you know, so, you know, people joke in crypto and blockchain that the the best use case is a you know illicit one, um, and yet my guess is that people like you and I believe in this space not for that purpose. So, um, what what is your vision for the space for this technology, and how do you think it will transform our lives? Yeah, no. So it's that is it's an amazing question, and I I think it's and it'll it's going to absolutely transform our lives. I mean, we're building the next financial system, but you sort of appreciate this. Like I talk to a lot of people now, sort of in the crypto industry, or whatever. And they there's the the sort of their origin story. You know, their superhero origin story is that they were buying Bitcoin. You know, when it was two hundred or whatever. You know, or you know, really starting to get, understand get interested in the technology. My my origin story is a little different. You know, I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, you know, and we really started to focus a lot of our cases on North Korea and North Korea, unlike sort of other potential sort of rogue, rogue nation states really never has had access to fiat um, or it's been very, very difficult for North Korea to have access to fiat. So what you see is them engaging in illicit activity in cryptocurrency. We saw recently a, a, an amazing indictment uh, unsealed a week or two ago um, on uh, some North Korea cyber attacks. Um, out of the Lazarus group, um, but we've seen a number of different cases like this. And I just tell this story because I became interested in crypto because I was watching illicit actors use it. Um, and I said to myself, look, this is going to be an incredibly important technology. Um, you know, it, it's going to be the future of finance. And I strongly believe that. But if you believe that, you know, as strongly as I do, you also believe that you have to have anti-money laundering and terrorist financing uh, baked in to the infrastructure of, of crypto. And I think that was the beauty of sort of uh, TRM is that when I got to TRM, I realized, all right, look, these people are as passionate as I am about crypto and about sort of the financial system uh, that we're, what we're building. But at the same time, I think we uniquely understand that like, you just can't let bad guys use it. <laughs> and, and, and we have to figure out a way to thread that needle. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of times you're hearing these days, hey, look, we just need to sort of take the anonymity or the pseudonymity out of it. I say, no, 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 that's like the power and promise of the technology itself. Um, but what we do need to keep out of it is money laundering and terrorist financing. <laughs> and, the illicit activity part needs to go. And I think there's a way to thread that needle. And that's the work uh, that we're doing at TRM. And that's what's been so exciting to me. Yeah, I, you know, look, I, it, it's, it's, it's a powerful tool. You know, it's, you know, it's actually kind of like a very sharp knife and you can use it to cure and you can use it to kill. Um, and, 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 and that's why, uh, you know, regulating it and uh, judiciously and, uh, and using it with intent and building tools of safety around it is super critical. And I'm grateful for people like you who get excited about it 
and and realize the power and potential and 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 and, and channel that energy toward curing as opposed to killing right um when i was in, in, in you know in my my last job um i i very much like yourself and i'm guessing from your title involved was involved in explaining this technology to regulators you know i i went to numerous uh sacramento and washington dc trips and met with a lot of legislators and, and regulators to explain this technology and the power of it and what's possible and the implications of various things that were considered at the time and to me that was kind of the fun of being in house at a blockchain crypto company is that yes you give legal advice but a lot of the legal advice you give on a highly uncertain you're also giving the strategy around kind of how to shape the regulation so tell me about you know that aspect of your job and then you know i think that's where your your experience as a government uh, attorney uh, would be highly relevant yeah, no, I really appreciate that. One thing that's really sort of, I, I think like, you know, every time Janet Yellen, our treasury secretary now says anything or sort of coming out of the um, the controller of the currency, uh, there's a lot of reaction sort of, all right, this person doesn't understand crypto or I think what we, what we right now in this moment have to be very patient. Um, and the one thing I can assure people having just come from treasury is that there is a team of subject matter experts bar none there. I mean, FinCEN has an extraordinary team of, um, as does OFAC and TFFC, which is the policy uh, wing, uh, extraordinary expertise in this area. And the, the, the secretary and others are getting these briefings and they're really starting to understand this stuff. And I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, look, I'm a career civil servant uh, until very recently, and I believe in career civil servants. And I think that the expertise is there. Um, sort of how do I use my experience? That, you know, look, I think part of it uh, to your question is, I think I sort of uniquely understand how important it is to thread that needle. You know, I think you have on the one hand, you have the crypto industry and sort of true, uh, you know, believers that say, hey, look, we need this to be entirely, you know, at least pseudo anonymous. Uh, that's the whole power of this tool. And then on the, on the sort of one hand, you say, you know, you have this sort of example of the recent unhosted wallets NPRM where we say, look, every unhosted wallet essentially needs to be identified. I think that there's a place in the middle, kind of like I described earlier, where we should all exist, where we should have the power, able to harness the power of, you know, moving money on the Internet, but yet have the foundational infrastructure baked in to stop North Korea, to stop the Lazarus Group, to stop sort of cyber attacks, um, to stop money laundering sort of activities. Uh, because, look, if if there's money laundering at scale on the blockchain, you know, it, it's going to be unsafe to use and we want it to be safe for people to use. Yeah, we definitely do not want money laundering at scale. We know that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, and look, yeah. scale is like, uh, it was kind of, I don't know if that was the appropriate term was scale, but like cash is at scale. Like, I think that's what people, that's what people don't understand too. It's like, you know, like as a prosecutor, cash is king when it comes to money laundering, right? Like, you know, Cartels for years have tried to figure out ways to bulk for bulk cash smuggling, you know, across the border. Like that, that's been the nature of of money laundering for decades. And honestly, crypto is more open, more transparent, and um, more. And more there's a credible trail. You can actually more accountable than cash will ever be. And I feel like if I can evangelize for anything, uh, you know, it, it's that. It's it's that. Um, we have technology that can help us with crypto. We do not have technology that can help us with cash. 
Yeah, no, look, I am a believer. I've been an early investor, early advisor, and I even had a job. And my, my husband, I, I'm married to um, a, a very responsible, pragmatic man. When I showed up at home and I said, hey, I'm, I'm taking this job, he took a step back and he said, please don't tell me you're going to be paid in imaginary currency. <laughs> so this is what you get when you marry your fellow lawyer. Um, yeah. But look, this has been a fun conversation for many reasons. One, because you're in startups. Two, because you're building. Three, because you're on the cutting edge of technology. Three, you're, four, I, I, stopped, I can't count today. Um, <laughs> many reasons I love your um, journey from, from a U.S. attorney office to treasury to early stage startup. I think it's really fascinating. Anyone who um, sort of on the path of building the future of money or uh, the, the cutting edge technology, uh, you have a you know, somewhat unusual path. What is your advice? How, uh, what do you recommend? I, th I think that's an amazing question. Um, you know, look, I, I think so much of this comes back to teams for me. And, you know, what I have learned, I think, in my career, and honestly, it may be even it crystal has crystallized for me recently, that careers can be a team sport. Um, you know, I have so many close friends from the U.S. Attorney's Office and from Treasury and from private practice, you know, over the years. And, you know, they are so supportive of what I've been doing and I'm so supportive of what they've been doing. And if you can sort of build that team around you, um, I think the adventure could be even a lot more fun. Um, so, so creating a team, you know, of people in your life. But I, I'd say to also sort of creating teams where you go and really um, – gravitating towards people who want to work in teams. You know, I had that look, you know, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I spent a lot of time sort of in the well of the courtroom, you know, in front of a judge or in front of juries. But I uniquely understood that I was never alone there, that I always had people at the office or who were sitting there watching who had my back no matter what was going to happen. And it was the same thing at, at Treasury. Um, you know, I worked for a woman uh, who was the uh, undersecretary for TFI, Seagal Mandelker. And look, I mean, she, she built an extraordinary team around her. And, you know, we were able to work very closely with all the different pieces of treasury to get things done. Um, and, you know, as I said, that's what we're building at TRM. And, you know, literally we have a Friday all hands that I was on right before I jumped on here. And we are a family. And if you can sort of build with those people, I think, A, your journey will be a lot more fun. And I hope a lot more successful as well. Yeah. Now, in the end, it's with the people for the people. Uh, having a, 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 a very interesting mission is definitely a big part of it, but having a team that supports you in getting there is like 80% plus of it. So uh, look, Harry, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, fantastic conversation. Thank you for finding the time to talk to me on, on, on this Friday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Olga, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking again soon.